new family practices. Gathering. Deuteronomy 31, 12 to 13. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Hebrews 10, 24-25 And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In the book Prayer in the Night, Tish Harrison Warren writes, The church's task is to learn to keep our eyes peeled for how God is at work. We gather each week watching for the coming king, and with the earnestness of the Audubon Society, we look for the quiet, overlooked glory in our midst, for God's perplexing yet healing presence in the world. We watch for glimpses of the redemption to come even now. Through prayer, through gathered worship, through the scriptures and sacraments, we train our eyes to notice the light in the darkness. God's heart has always been to gather people together. During his time on earth, Jesus was regularly in the synagogue. Luke 4.16 states, He went up to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. The four words at the end of verse 16 highlight Jesus' practice of going to synagogue and gathering with those worshiping God. The church, ekklesia in Greek, means called out ones. In the early church, people gathered in homes to sing and pray, to read scripture and partake in the bread and cup together. Many churches still gather together in homes worldwide, particularly in Asia and Africa. In the West, however, there has been a growing desire to see the church as not simply a building or a service, but as a regular gathering of God's people in one place. Gathering is vital as God prepares to scatter us into a lost world. Every Sunday when we gather and sing songs, when we hear the word proclaimed, when we pray and take part in communion and confess and repent from sin, we are strengthened in faith and we are reminded that we're not alone. This truly is a new family. The gathering of the body weekly goes against our individualistic culture and it is one of the most formative practices in which we can partake. God can and he does speak through podcasts and streamed Sunday services and all kinds of digital content, but there is no substitute for being with people in the flesh. It can often feel like the most mundane of practices to rise early on a Sunday and go to church when most of the world is sleeping or even brunching, but it's in the seeming ordinariness when we are reminded we are in a sacred place with holy people, allowing the living God to form us again into the image of his son. Practice. Make it a priority to gather on Sundays with your spiritual community. Seek to serve at least once a month in some capacity during the gathering of the body. And when you practice gathering with your family, sit together with them during a service and afterward, Spend time talking through different elements of the service. Greg Pinkner provides the following observation on the practice of gathering. 
In 1 Peter, Peter calls the devil a roaring lion, prowling around, looking for someone to devour. I've always loved that description because lions don't roar when they're hunting. They're ambush hunters. They wait until a perfect moment presents itself. It would be a terrible metaphor if not for Paul's description of the enemy's plans as being knowable and capable of being resisted. So the question becomes, what is the lion's best weapon and the easiest way for me to avoid it? The answer? Don't be alone. The Bible goes overboard about not being alone. Adam wasn't right until he had Eve. Moses wasn't right until he had Aaron. Jesus didn't walk around by himself. He took 12 guys everywhere with him. But we love solitude. Not necessarily because we like being alone, but because we want it our way. And it's easier to get our way when we're alone, or at least with people who won't ask questions. We don't want people asking us why we think something is okay when Scripture thinks it isn't. That's why the Bible is so insistent on not doing Christianity alone. Be in a church to worship together. Be in a group to go deeper together. Serve. Meet. And let me tell you, it is killing this introvert to write these things, but I've learned the lesson the hard way. Don't get me wrong. Solitude is good when I'm thinking about the Lord, when I'm thinking about the truth in my heart about where I'm wrong, or when I'm thinking about the conversation I might need to have with someone with whom I'm in conflict. It is not good, however, when it strengthens my rebellion. While I may be tempted to think of it as freedom, the lion thinks of it as lunch. One of the things that we've done within the book is we've provided a lot of white space. Space to write in the margins and to journal thoughts that you have. At this point, grab a piece of paper or a journal and write down what you've learned, what God has revealed, and what you're thinking about. 